0: The RAW
1: Rugby World Cup podcast. The Raw. And that is the sweet sound of success. Christy Doran of theroar.com.au. Uh, the World Cup is up and running after all those hours, writing all those stories about. Everything that might happen and all those features that we've we've been doing on our website, we, we we're finally underway. Va, va, voom. let it let it rock, let it go. It was fantastic, wasn't it? You were out there for the whole thing.
0: Viva la France, Alice le Bleu. What a <laughs> result that was! Not just for France, but for the World Cup. Let me tell you, when you've got seventy-eight thousand people there, atmosphere is going nuts, and Everyone is hanging on this result, knowing that France, the host nation, you want to see them get off to a great start. Well, we've got it, haven't we? We've got the perfect result for the World Cup, 27-13, comfortable victory in the end on the scoreboard. But let me tell you, it was anything but that for 65, 70 minutes. The, The game was on a knife's edge, and I'm just thrilled. I'm chuffed, and you know, it set it up perfectly, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to ask you about the game in detail later and get your analysis of that. But firstly, I mean, we're here, we're in a city that's a massive city, you know, uh, a lot going on. There was plenty of action on the streets today. They were rocking up to the stadium five, six hours beforehand, wearing red berets and fake mustaches and the colour blue was everywhere. It was just a magnificent day to to get it launched and to follow it up with... A win like that was something special. But, you know, what was it like out there around the stadium for
0: you? I'll tell you what, it was sweaty to begin with because yeah. anyone... All day. Yeah, you know, all day. It's <laughs> it's mid-30s yeah. and, and it gets hotter and hotter. And I think it's probably peaks at around 6 o'clock, like late, later than anywhere in Australia, mm. I would think. And you go out there on a metro and you're honestly, like, packed like sardines in there, squeezing one another. And everyone just looks at each other going, oh, you yeah, know, like I can't speak French, but people will look at you and they'll say and they'll, they'll say something, but but you understand that whatever, it's all good. But when you get out there, you f- start to feel it, the vibrance of it. And it was it was busy two hours before kickoff. Like, it's packed two hours before kickoff. Not just during the surroundings, but you walk in, it's already far, half full by seven o'clock, and that's two hours before kickoff, two hours and twenty minutes, in fact, before kickoff, and. A great opening ceremony displayed a fair bit of the colour, the culture of the French, with dancing, with the Eiffel Tower.
1: It it actually got bad reviews. The opening ceremony. I, I didn't watch it. You know, what was your What was your honest impression of it?
0: I thought it was fractionally flat. I thought there would be some more fireworks and it would be a little bit louder. And yeah, I, I was surprised, and, and I was probably surprised because two weeks earlier I'd gone there and I could. Feel the energy and it was just pumping it was an afternoon game as opposed to a night game and i wonder whether or not because it was a sunday afternoon match as opposed to a friday evening game people have bought their tickets two years earlier people from all around the world right across france as opposed to perhaps just those particularly in paris that would turn up to a a regular game a non-event really against the wallabies two weeks earlier but I still thought that the fireworks at the end, the Eiffel Tower, was pretty special being out there. Let me tell you that.
1: Yeah, I I actually went for a walk to uh, the fan zone, which is not out near the stadium. I was out there probably four hours beforehand as well, and there were a lot of people there already singing in their rugby shirts from a lot of different nations as well. And this area is massive. There are probably three huge screens, an area where you can play a bit of rugby on AstroTurf, um, and, and... just a really great atmosphere out there it was so hot though there were these mist clouds near the bar so people were huddled in shade under the bar with this misty rain kind of coming down on them as well, they drank their asahis
0: you'd yeah. need that was it so was that at the bottom of the champ solise or uh
1: nearby there it's right on the uh, river's edge my paris uh geography is not as good as my Wollongong geography but um
0: big 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 uh, big place Wollongong
1: yeah it's huge I mean <laughs> I like I run into people all the time in Wollongong who I know of course but then I'm coming back from the fan zone and I get down to the metro and as you said it was like the, the metros all day were just absolutely crammed I've sprinted along the platform to try and find one where I might be able to just squeeze I do that this and I do squeeze between several very well-dressed, uh, you know, Parisians and I bob up and lo and behold, I'm standing right next to Mark McCartney, the uh, Rugby Australia marketing um, uh, chief uh, chief of communications, which was pretty funny. He, he was, uh, I don't know, I think he was surprised to see me. He perhaps thought I was stalking
0: him for an angle or something. It was funny. I did see him as well. as uh, Just before going to the game, a bunch of journos went to a Rugby Australia event a Function and 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 former Wallabies Drew Mitchell, uh, James Hallwill were there. And, uh, Angus Gardner, the Australian referee, and a nice little kind of way to see some familiar faces, uh, and then a bunch of us to head to head to the game. Fortunately, and it's it's less than twenty four hours now until Australia against Georgia as well. But it was oh look, that was a heck of an experience, and we've got such an exciting seven eight weeks in front of us.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, the only other point I'd make about what I saw out there today was that I've been to a few Football World Cups and the atmosphere on the street at a Football World Cup is always tense. There's always lots of riot police around and there's always like serious chanting on either side. And today I just saw, I actually saw a woman with a, a shirt and a French heart, all black spirit on her you know they were they, it's just this feeling of a bit more camaraderie around the rugby world cup which i really enjoy that that atmosphere that that aspect to it i saw a father and son walking along by the river same with dupont jerseys on arms around each other and it, yeah it was pretty fun out there but man it's hot right like it's just so it's coming up from the pavement it's going it's just smashing you from all sides so how they went out there and played a, a game and you know, they were talking in the commentary about how greasy the ball was and you could just see the, the sweat absolutely pouring off the guys. You know. just, it must must be so different.
0: The Rugby World Cup on the Roar.
1: And in case you haven't uh, noticed, where are the uh, B team, as I said yesterday. We are jumping in on odd days between podcasts from Harry and Brett. And so they'll be back. Tomorrow night after that game, we might get a uh, lazy 2am beer after that match instead of a, a lazy 2am 2 podcast.
0: 2.22 by the sounds of things right at the moment anyway. But look, it, it doesn't feel that late because the game only finished at about just after 11 o'clock local time, which is remarkable and it's still hot and you're getting back home and it's still hot and you were just talking about the greasy conditions. But let me tell you what. Straight off the bat, New Zealand were incredibly impressive and didn't necessarily look like they were struggling with any form of grease when you've got a Rico Yuani that goes through the middle. Well, look, it started, let's start there. It started
1: in 90 seconds and they're over in the corner and you're thinking this game could be 50 to 40. It was just like a
0: fantastic start to a
1: World Cup, wasn't
0: it? Perfect start. And you know what I love about it? Sam Whitelock, top of the line out, takes it straight to Aaron Smith, two pros, two guys just at the... That have been doing it for ten years, and they continue to teach all the youngsters. This is how it's done. No, Tate McDermott, work on that left to right pass. Thanks very much. I'll just just wizard off and straight into the midfield, and he breaks through, and the crowd was a bit shell shocked. Hang on, this isn't what's supposed to happen. And a quick penalty. All of a sudden, Bowden Barrow crossfield kick to Mark Delea, who scores. It looked like he might have fumbled it to begin with or might have stuffed it up, but he gets there. All Black score within two minutes. No conversion, but 5 0 perfect start to the All Blacks. And it looked like, hang on, here we go. All Blacks crashing the party.
1: And you kind of felt they were a bit unlucky to be behind at half time, right? There was, um, you know, they'd done enough almost to lead. You know, did you get that kind of sense that they were perhaps going to come home stronger in that second half?
0: What's well, interesting, I all blacks um big test matches it's about the five minutes leading up to half time and probably the five minutes straight after half time which is those definitive minutes for the all blacks typically and they missed an opportunity when they were eight six down nine nine eight down rather just mm-hmm. on the stroke of half time two post points they throw it out wide goes into touch opportunity missed that was with about 45 seconds left in the first half but you're right, they did a fair bit of the running early on, but Test Match Rugby, it's about pressure. It's about sustained pressure, and it's about keeping the scoreboard ticking. And in the case of the French, they did that superbly with Thomas Ramos, banging over three first-half penalties, missed one, uh, two. But that, they they rarely looked like they were going to score, uh, apply that much pressure inside the 22. They took their shots, and that's what you've got to do. You, uh, it's scoreboard pressure. and you hope that your fitness uh, has put you in a in a position in that last 20 minutes to kick on and that would be the difference between so many of these sides going forward but it was a it was on a knife edge right the way through and then a kind of a controversial moment early in the second half wasn't
1: it uh, the, the yellow card
0: well but even before that with the with the forward it looked like a forward pass from right. Iwani who I thought was superb the yeah. first 50 minutes he, he was probably the big difference maker i thought between the two sides potent um threatening a- andy a big hoof from right to left to find to leer, it's a bounce pass as sean maloney would would call it um but it looks like it went two three meters forward i thought it did and well interestingly they didn't look at it again right they just moved swiftly extraordinarily and that was a weird thing because Jacob piper or two probably two french guys went up there i think um Gail Fiku was one of them, and just waved away immediately. And Piper wanted nothing. There's a bunker in place. It was a bit of a head scratcher because, yeah, and they
1: had stopped actually in play. They, they, you know, they were caught not playing the whistle. Really, they just they, they weren't were. expecting
0: expecting yeah. the decision to go their way. It's funny though. You see the the pundits, whoever you follow on Twitter, go. Come on, guys! It's amateur hour. You play her until the whistle. But hang on a moment. Like yeah. if you see a ball that legitimately goes two, three meters yeah. forward, it's instinctive nature. Okay, I'll, I'll stop. And that's all it took. Talia had his second, and you thought, oh, okay. Once again, first five minutes. Yeah, the
1: ball is bouncing the way of the all blacks.
0: And, yeah, and, 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 you know they're finding their way. And then the
1: the moment then that kind of uh, that came home a bit a bit to me as well was when Richie Moana made that tackle in the corner and. That tackle was absolutely sensational. He's going across in the quarter, and I thought this is going to be a moment talking about, you know, forever as, as one of the great World Cup moments. I I think it'll probably be lost now,
0: but it wasn't quite as dramatic as George Gregan or Jeff Wilson was it? But it was such uh, it was effective and it, it bangs the ball out. You speak of the greasy conditions, but it did have that feel like oh, here's a big opportunity yeah. missed. But it was a it was a bold play shortly after that they turned down. Uh, shot a goal, they kicked for the corner, and, and it paid off. The uh, Damien Pinot, a bloke who's extremely gifted finishing winger, who's broken the hearts of particularly Dave Rennie, but the Wallabies from last year, two last uh, two weeks ago, and once again it was it was lovely, majestic work from the French fly half Jembeau, who who just kind of waltzed across the field, had time up his sleeve and his hand and found the right ball to, to send Pinot in and that just lifted the crowd up.
1: Yeah, you talk about a bold call there, but then soon after, Will Jordan gets a yellow card for hitting Ramos while he was in the air and then they had a chance during that period to, you know, they had a lot of momentum and they had a chance to kick for the line, take the line out and really go for a try and they they took he took a shot from way out on the right. Now, he's an excellent goal kicker, of course, and he had nailed similar, but he missed that one and it looked like maybe they'd kind of blinked, but, you know, there was an opportunity to really put the foot on the throat there and they, they didn't go for it enough. I mean, he, you know, what, what did you think of that? The, the yellow card at first. I mean, the, no complaints there.
0: No complaints. And and going to the press conference shortly after full time, In mean, Foster bemoaned at that moment said that that was a turning point, Um, losing Will Jordan. Absolutely right, the decision for a a yellow card there. He's he's played him well well early. He's not in a realistic position to, to catch or compete with the ball. And there'd already been one or two moments earlier in the game where there'd been slight collisions, but they'd been both in realistic positions for the ball. That time, Jordan wasn't. He expressed his disappointment and anger as he walked off the field with the yellow no arguments. The discipline was a real issue for for the All Blacks. Twelve to four. Uh, if you're conceding eight more penalties, you're going to lose. Uh, like Test match rugby is about base, uh, nailing set piece scrum, particularly. And a twelve four uh, that, that that kind of summed up where the two sides were. I actually thought the, the decision to take the three or go for the three was the right one because it's it's about Consolidating, it's about scoreboard pressure. It's about, well, you're already now three points up. If you go another three points up, it's a converted try. Like you don't necessarily need to score tries. You know, Matt Burke, penalty after penalty in 99. We've seen that in, in most World Cups, that penalty is incredibly valuable as a field goal. So I thought it was the right decision. New Zealand typically does that. They bank a three and then they go for the hammer blow and they go for a try after.
1: Uh, looking at kind of the reviews afterwards, and I put together a worldview of this game that's up on theraw.com.au, um, the sense seems to be that France can play a lot better than this. And I, and I think, I mean, my my feeling with, I looked at uh, Antoine DuPont's game quite closely. There's been a lot of hype, obviously, about him. But the other feedback was from, from pundits was that the All Blacks probably weren't as bad as they could have uh, made out to be, and and France weren't as good as
0: they probably can be. Well, okay. 27-13 in the end, but let's be honest, that last try, the ball just sits up, yeah. unfortunately for they. That, 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 generally speaking, you don't score a try there. It's 20-13. It's a seven-point ball game. I, I DuPont, he had one moment where he kicked out in the full, which you'd be obviously disappointed by that, but I, I thought he was reasonable still. Yes, Smith's service was good, but didn't necessarily run the ball. We saw DuPont once or twice in the same way as Jammer there, uh, drift across the field, and there was a great moment. I think it was before Ramos missed that first half penalty where he just had time up his sleeve, a couple of steps to his right, holds the defence, and that's the difference between world-class guys that both look but also have time up their sleeve because of their decision-making. I thought it was still a good composed game, but – both sides have definitely room to grow, but there's going to be nerves of plenty on a first game like this in front of such a big crowd on a hot night. I thought that was a good performance by the French. They left a couple of points out there, uh, as did New Zealand. But you know, Dante's missing, Williams is missing, Biles missing. The French have got three huge guys to come back. Two certainly, uh, Williamses. We'll see. But it's a tr- tr- nutritional game. Someone's going to come back. New Zealand losing Sam Kane, that's a blow. Losing your captain, losing your most composed player out there the day before. So they would have known for 24 hours that Sam Kane's not there. Slight uh, back issue from coming down at a, a line out on the captain's run.
1: Have they given any indication of how long he's out? Or? Oh, I think
0: he'd be fine. I, I think he'd be yeah. fine. For, and you might not risk him because France is playing Uruguay on Thursday. New Zealand's playing a day later against Namibia, you, you, yeah. the guys that have got the niggles, you, you certainly give them one or two weeks. And you know what? They don't really – they're not going to be pushed in that much. Italy, yeah, you've got to take them seriously, but they're not going to be pushed until the quarterfinals. So they will have guys like Jordy Barrett back. They lost Narua over the last week with, unfortunately, tournament-ending injury. Another player will come, to provide probably struggled once or twice with his discipline, with his – handling when he came in at six so both sides have got areas to grow for sure.
1: So it looks like they're going to finish second in that group where does that kind of leave them aligned
0: I mean does it really matter? I I don't think it matters that much Uh, what it's shaping up if, if you think South Africa's winning pool B then perhaps it's New Zealand up against South Africa and one big dog from the Southern Hemisphere that's both won three World Cups would be going home but at this point in time, who knows? Ireland could shock South Africa. No one has an ounce of clue about what's going to happen to Pool B. The reality is they'll both win the rest of this, uh, their matches. Uh, Italy is not going to produce an upset. You would love them too. And if they do, it will be something like uh, it would be an upset, perhaps bigger, given the fact that New Zealand's lost their first game. If they were to lose against Italy, which I don't think will happen, but if they were, it would be the biggest World Cup upset, uh, certainly surpassing the 2015 one when Japan shocks South Africa in their first game.
1: So Gregor Paul in the New Zealand Herald has just written that what the All Blacks have done is shown the world they are stunningly mentally frail. Uh, World Cups are about handling
0: pressure and the All Blacks just didn't do that. Is that harsh? I don't think so. Off the back of losing to South Africa, it, it kind of sows some more seeds of doubt in there, doesn't it? Ian Foster is going to be asked a lot of questions over the next month because it doesn't matter if you beat Namibia by 1,000 or if you beat Italy by 50. It only matters about what's happened against South Africa, what's happened against France. And they've, they've come up short in both matches, annihilated against South Africa. But a tournament's a long, long thing. Foster was asked, Arty was asked around. Sevilla, this is the standing captain, was asked, well, do you get a bit of, do you is it not all doom and gloom, knowing that four years ago you beat South Africa comfortably in your World Cup opener, yet they go on to win the tournament? So history now shows that you can lose a game, you can lose a first-out match to a big game, uh, a Tier 1 nation, and go on to win. It's a bit dramatic, but at the same time, this is a union that backed an Ian Foster in to coach for this year, for this World Cup campaign, but at the same time was already looking ahead by appointing Scott Robertson as his successor. So both New Zealand rugby and Foster are going to come under a fair bit of pressure, I reckon, over the next month, because you know what? They won't get another test until that quarterfinal. So oh, I can imagine that the Shaky Isles will be just that.
1: Rugby World Cup on the roar. So, Christy, as you well know, the Raw Rugby Podcast is powered by ASICS. Raw has in place a wonderful partnership with ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier for the Wallabies. And the superb Wallabies 2023 Rugby World Cup playing jersey is available to purchase in-store and online at asics.com.au now. Do you
0: have one? I don't have the 2023. I had one for the 2021, but the question I have for you is: Would you wear one to a a, a Tribune to a Wallabies game or a World Cup game, being part of the press?
1: No, I think that's uh, there's no jerseys in the press box. That's a
0: pretty been a pretty standard rule. You, no, 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 no. I think you've have got you to have seen them out there. Not tonight, anyway. But yeah. I feel like I have in the past. But you do give them. Sidesways look, don't you? Well, what if I wore my uh
1: Dennis Burkham Arsenal shirt into the Wallabies match? Would that be allowable?
0: You've got your own fashion, you do, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you've got your own fashion as well, which is uh quite out there. Uh, you were one of the big celebrities out at the game tonight as well. You and your...
0: oh, I think there's a couple of big football names that, that's yeah, sure. Killian
1: Mbappe was there. Um, and I think you, you showed me a video earlier of him absolutely stressing out it was like he was about to take a penalty and then there was a bit of tension out
0: there he is one of the world's best players isn't
1: he oh yeah, yeah yeah he's one of the world's top three best the best player in the french team he won a world cup at 18.
0: right so yeah he was he was there his reaction i thought kind of summed up how how france felt which was it didn't necessarily feel real until it was real yeah uh, on a nice edge for a long time and and David beckham was there it's a who's yeah, who. so he's
1: he's a guy who sells fragrances right
0: Right. yeah right. yeah 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 it, maybe you should investigate that It <laughs> might be a slight upgrade from your links that you've got in the, um, in, the, in, the in the bathroom but yeah, fair, it, fair it, it, there's dan carter that's taking the world cup the web Ellis cup opening up the box piece by piece to to show it to display it to the world and uh, so Bill Beaumont there, um, Emmanuel Macron, the president, who, who had probably—did you boo him? I, I didn't. I heard them though. Whole... Right. <laughs> there, there was was a it few... quite?
1: Was it very strong? Yeah, it?
0: it, it's a tough one because a prime minister or a president—they're always going to get booed, aren't they? It, it's just part and parcel. Unless they're hawky. but was he even booed? I wasn't around when he was at p- <laughs> p- p- PM, but he was exactly. certainly—he was certainly c- celebrated every time he ever scolded. A drink, that's for sure. But we're going to see so much over this next seven, eight weeks, and, and it's going to be a who's who right throughout it, and perfect evening to celebrate, and and it all continues very, very quickly tomorrow.
1: So tomorrow is Australia, Georgia, and we are so It's actually today. It's not tomorrow. It's actually today. Well, I, whenever you're listening to this, it could be four days ago. Who knows when you when you get around to listening to this on your Podcast app of choice or on site, uh, but what? Let's let's just pretend it is in the future.
0: Uh,
1: what's your expectations
0: for this? So, the Wallabies, Georgia, ninth ranked, first eleven ranked. It, it seems like it should be close. I, I don't know if it will. I think the Wallabies and Eddie Jones' side will. There'll be some nerves, and Nick White spoke about them early in the week. Uh, I wasn't going to ask Eddie Jones if he was feeling nervous, but I, I would think that he'd be confident. But he would also be aware that they're zero and five and it's an important match. I can see them winning by 30 points. Uh, I think they've got so much, uh, so much attacking prowess out wide that if they're. So f- that's six tries, right? I think there could yeah.
1: be. Well, I'm assuming we're not going to kick any goals. So.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, so you're right. I'm six fives are 30, rush. a bit facetious there for sure. But um, yeah, I, I can see them them playing well. And if, as long as Angus Bell and Taniela Tupou. Scrum straight, scrum hard, and really take Georgia rugby down from where they're known, they're bread and butter. If they can if they can do a Georgia on Georgia with a Zane Nongol coming off the bench in a crucial last 20 minutes, uh, I would imagine, then that sets them up and they'll have way too much pace for, for those in the halves uh, and, and certainly out wide. It's kind of an analysis piece that I've written for today, which is around – Eddie Giants predicting where this World Cup is going to go and having these these threats from Carter Gordon and Tate McDermott around the rack to Marika Corribetti and your man Mark Noongan out wide. I think it's a really nice balanced side that has threats both up front but also out wide.
1: Just one more thing on Eddie. There's a story up today from the great Campese, where he's just... Torn treads off Eddie, and and had a crack at his small man syndrome. I mean, it's astonishing stuff. What, but why? Uh, earlier this week, we had Alan Jones coming out. What's and what's what's this all about? Is it score settling? Is it just that people have wanted to have a crack at him for a long time?
0: Well, a lot of things can be said about both Alan Jones and and David Campisi, That's for sure. We we know that Alan Jones uh, is no fan of Eddie Jones, uh, going dating back to. Sydney grade rugby and things that may or may not have been said, but clearly Alan Jones took offence and, and has never liked Eddie Jones. And David Campisi is a huge Alan Jones fan, giving him caps, taking him on Grand Slam tours, won matches at, at Eden Park, and it's not necessarily surprising. Well, I feel like David Campisi is frustrated frustrated about how the direction of of Australian rugby has gone in. Like so many, his voice, he feels, isn't heard enough around certain areas. He he doesn't think his skill set has been valued by Australian rugby. Pathways haven't been valued by Rugby Australia and previously the ARU. Not enough is done. And it's surprising because... Dave Chmura, former ring man as well, and as is as is Eddie Jones, I think sometimes you've got to. I don't mind listening to people if they're going to have a rant or if they're going to express their opinion, but sometimes you can listen to it, acknowledge it, and then move on. and And that's how I'm seeing it. It's a is a freakish player, and I spoke to him actually earlier, a completely different subject matter, but he was also marvelling around the skill set of Mark nwanganu and thought Ben Donaldson's a good player himself too. And it's a shame that sometimes things that don't necessarily rate and click through, are the things that people bemoan aren't done enough. So is a Campisi story on nwanganu or Donaldson going to break the house down? Not necessarily, but is, it, is a Campo smashes Eddie Jones story? Will, will that? Yes. And, people get frustrated reading it, probably too. But unfortunately, that's what also drives people's interests. Okay. Well,
1: that's very diplomatic of you. But I would like to step in and say I urge you all to story a click, along with all the other fine content we've got up there. There's some good content. Yeah, there's some heaps of good content up there, Christy. Uh, so we've got that all covered. We will be back uh, in a few days, tomorrow night or tomorrow or tomorrow afternoon or whatever, wherever it is. Whatever time it is, wherever you are, you will have um, Harry and uh, Brett and Jeff doing the instant reaction on Australia, Georgia. And, um, yeah, thanks for spending your time with us.
0: Thanks for spending your time. And I'm looking forward to spending more time with you because your accreditation's arrived. There was a slight <laughs> hiccup, but you've got it. You'll be there tomorrow. Uh, the Wallabies in Georgia, that's a great game to look forward to. And please feedback, rate review the raw you can obviously find at any kind of podcasting streaming site but pleasure sitting alongside you having a beer and cracking open and celebrating the world cup it's alive
1: it is alive uh and we are having a beer